This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Welcome to the show, Gearheads. This is John Massengale. I'm sitting in the studio in Austin, joined by my co-host Les Kaiser via Zoom. And we just watched the Formula One Portuguese Grand Prix. And it was actually a pretty darn exciting race. Started off really good and ended up uh, you know, with a with lots of actually good racing in between. What'd you think, Les? Oh, I loved it. It was uh, exactly what I was hoping for as far as, you know, sh- it's a shorter course. It's got lots of overtaking possibilities for such a short course, to be honest. Uh, we saw several takes there. Uh, I love the curves, love the elevation and the blind views into the uh, next curve. Great run, though. Lots of great driving. Uh, the tire compounds, uh, I'll say traction, really, I can't blame the tire compounds, but the traction combination of it new surface in the tires created a lot of excitement there well we got a little rain to start the race to give us a little excitement a little cheese there shook everything up carlos Sainz was leading the race what for three or four or five laps and kimi raikkonen made it up to what sixth place and almost finished in the points that would have been awesome absolutely uh loved just the combination of everything that was going along there was uh just kind of looking back through the field, loved the way it uh, wound up with so many folks. Valtteri still up front. Uh, Charles Leclerc at fourth, you know, comparison to Vettel back at 10th. So uh, watching that gap between those two drivers, knowing there's a, there's a lot of focus around that as well. Alexander Albon, we've been watching, wondering if he's going to get a invitation back into that seat or not back at 12th uh that's there's a lot of news around those guys uh, as well as antonio giovanazzi uh hanging out back in the backfield uh 15th for him so we'll uh, we'll see we got a lot to talk about yeah absolutely and we are about to be joined by a special guest here in just a couple of minutes bob varsha is going to join us so we'll get him connected up here in just a minute but yeah, you know, what I really, the most exciting part of this, yeah, it was fun watching uh, Carlos Sainz lead the race and the shakeup at the beginning and all those, the tire issues they were having. But really, there was a lot of great racing throughout the the middle of the, of the field and Gasly looking good and Checo Perez with that collision with Max at the start and then <clears throat> coming all the way back after pitting. There was a lot of good racing in between. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think a lot of things play into it. Uh, there were some dodgy moves. I think that comes from the drivers not being all that familiar with this course. Uh, it was interesting to see some of that. Stroll uh, definitely had some learning, needed some experience on that track was my take on his moves. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Les, what did you think about, uh, you know, Albon and Gasly? What about that situation? Oh man, Albon and Gasly. That's one that's uh, going to continue. Pierre wrapping up in fifth and Albon back in 12th. Uh, Albon, I think your days are numbered. I think it's going to be um, one of those things he just hasn't delivered consistently. Uh, Gasly, uh, for whatever reason, has really been showing well. It might, you know, you got to realize that it may even be a combination of Gasly with his crew members and his team is working out better where he is than when he was with Red Bull. So uh, it's it's not only the driver that plays into the success. Yeah, no doubt. And it was a really, there, there was good racing too, up and down. And you know, what did Kimmy, Kimmy finished 11th, right? Well, all around him, you had Daniel Ricardo racing and 
you and also we had uh, Max lapping Albon. That was also ugly. But there was lots of good racing. There was. There was. Max was on his game. He was doing really well. The tire combinations didn't work out for him. Uh, he did make that strong charge right up at the beginning. Uh, a lot of diciness in that first lap, as we were expecting. That was. Uh, that really set up. I thought it was going to play more into Max's hands than it did, but uh, you know, still delivered. What a great first few laps there. Yeah, and lots of good racing in between. We kept thinking we were going to get rain. I, I intentionally hardly mentioned the rain in the pre-show. <laughs> I swear I'm getting superstitious about it. Every time we talk about it, it doesn't happen. And, and you know, it was actually kind of a surprise at the beginning because no one had talked about rain. There were some, you know, ominous-looking clouds right before the start of the race. Still are ominous clouds out there. But And I didn't expect it. And then, and in fact, I didn't even realize there was rain until they had already started the race. And you could see everybody on hard tires was struggling big time and everybody on soft tires. And I loved that they showed it later in the in the race. Kimi Raikkonen weaving through the crowd on his soft tires, looking like the Kimi of old. That was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Kimi was doing awesome today. Uh, I really like it when he feels good and he's got a lot of confidence in his car because it shows and he starts delivering it. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's uh, the way the team sets it up or not, but I don't feel like he's had great confidence in his own car. Uh, and so it certainly plays out that if he doesn't, if he can't trust his car, if he can't trust what it's going to do in these competitive situations, he's not going to deliver. Uh, he's not going to push that edge that we know he's confident in and that we know he's absolutely capable of. He's delivered a lot of great things in the past. Uh, Alfa Romeo, uh, I'm just curious if uh, he's going to get called back. I'd hate to see him not around. I, I want to see Alfa Romeo call their seats this week. We'll see. And Charles Leclerc finishing fourth. In fact, let me just run down the grid in case you didn't get to catch it all. It was Lewis Hamilton with a win, of course, setting the all-time record. 92 wins, a passing Michael Schumacher. Just amazing accomplishments. So 92 wins for Lewis Hamilton. Then Valtteri Botas, Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc. Pierre Gasly, Carlos Sainz, Sergio Perez in seventh, Ocon, Ricardo, and Vettel wrap out the points. And then Raikkonen just outside the points in 11th, Albon, Norris, Russell, Giovinazzi, Kevin Magnussen, Grosjean, 16 and 17 for the Haas team, Nicholas Latifi in 18, Daniel Kvyat in 19, and the only DNF for the day, Lance Stroll, who had a pretty rough afternoon. Uh, Les, do you think he's in, in jeopardy of losing his job? <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, really kind of question, I mean, you know, it's daddy's money is still is a, is a strong player in that area. I, uh, I could see it happening. He's got a lot to show on. He hasn't been real consistent. So, um, I'm going to say you better step it up, son. <laughs> yeah. Dad or no dad. But, uh, by the way, I think we have our guest ready to come on i think we have bob varsha and i'm looking at the producer and it looks like he's got him all connected mr varsha do we have you on the line he said hold one second producers connecting up lots of switches and buttons and levers being pulled back there i think he's going to join us via skype oh, come on i see 42 <laughs> buttons on the steering wheel <laughs> <laughs> well i tell you what our producer's got 10 times that many buttons that he's working with so yeah but I'm excited to talk to Bob about it. We all have this. one of the best in the business. I'm confident we'll get him in there. Yeah, no doubt. But I, yeah, I, I'm excited because I want to get his take on this race today, the season, this crazy season, and of course, the Haas F1 uh, driver situation. So we're going to talk to Bob about all of that. But less, you know, we we talked about the, the guys at the front, everybody having a, you know, a shakeup at the beginning, but it kind of ended up where we expected but some of the surprises, obviously, Gasly. I'm going to counter you on that. What's that? I'm going to counter you on one driver. Okay. Russell up in fourth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love seeing George up there. I do, but you know what? He's shown all year long that he's good, and this is really not surprising. Uh, we didn't see Kevin Magnuson do his normal uh, come out of the blocks and, and gain five to ten grid positions. He was on the hard tires, so I didn't really expect it. I think they're just throwing the kitchen sink right. at strategy, thinking let's try whatever we can and see if we can, and you know, hoping for either 
some more rain and and a tire switch. But anyway, it it uh, didn't turn out to be one of those days for Kevin Magnuson. But but Sergio Perez, like I mentioned, had a fantastic race after coming back. Uh, Ocon and Ricardo. Ocon finishing ahead of Ricardo today, eight and nine for the Renault cars. And of course, Vettel in tenth, double points for Ferrari, which uh, Vettel has not been able to do all year long. Uh, but once again, a massive gap between he and Leclerc. And oh boy, every time I see Albon's name after today, I keep thinking, you know, the the writings could be on the wall. Lando Norris had a rough day though. He had a puncture and ended up getting back to 13th. He had a puncture. In fact, it wasn't, I think he was down in like uh, 17th or 18th with only a handful of laps to go. So he used that spe- the speed of that McLaren to get back up to 13th. But not an exciting day for Lando Norris. And, um, you know, after the, after Norris, like you said, we had Russell, but the back of the pack there looking the, the normal. But now I want to welcome to the show our special guest, legendary American broadcaster, Bob Varsha. Bob, welcome back to Speed City. Thanks a lot, John. Glad to be back with you guys. It's been a long time. Yeah, it has been a while. Thank you. And I'm, I am excited to have you and I hope you're doing well. I am. Thank you. Beautiful Sunday morning here in Atlanta. Drinking coffee, watching Formula One. What could be better than that? <laughs> oh, look at there. Hey, you're looking great, Bob. Absolutely. Welcome back. We're uh, we're so happy you're you're joining us. There's been a lot of talk about you lately. Well, thanks very much. Uh, you know, things are looking good. Um, of course, let's acknowledge the elephant in the room. I'm being treated for prostate cancer. I've got a scan coming up this weekend that should tell us uh, what kind of progress we uh, hopefully have made um, since my most recent treatment protocol. And uh, I feel great and uh, just glad to see each new day and enjoy the world. Well, well, thanks for the update, Bob, because I know everybody wants to know that. And I'm glad you're feeling great. And But we're excited to have you because we want to talk some Formula One with you. We want to talk about today's race, Lewis Hamilton's amazing new record, and then we want to get into the uh, the discussion about the Haas F1 team with their drivers. But but let's start with today's race. What did you think overall from a racing standpoint? Well, I thought it was terrific. I mean, it had just about everything you could ask for from a race. Unpredictable new racetrack. That was reflected in the start. A lot of teams made, you know, educated guesses, I guess we'd call them, as a, uh, on things like tires. Uh, the grip wasn't there. Guys like Verstappen and and... Lewis himself got caught out. Um, wild scrambles, some contact. I thought the stewards were uh, conservative in their calls, which was good. Um, good days, bad days for one team or another. Uh, on the whole, I thought it was a, a lot of fun. And I happen to like Portugal uh, a lot. So um, I was anxious to see uh, what that track looked like. I'd never been to uh, Porto Mau, uh, but it's obviously a, a spectacular racetrack. And uh, and I think the drivers probably enjoyed it too, unless your name is Sergio Perez. <laughs> or Lance Stroll. Or Lance Stroll. I was about to say, yeah. Well, Bob, let's talk about Lewis Hamilton. Uh, this amazing record of 92 wins passing Michael Schumacher. You've seen a lot of Formula One drivers in your history, and I, I want to get your opinion of Lewis Hamilton and how he does stack up in the in all the drivers in history. Well, you know, that's always the uh, the spark for a great conflagration of an argument. Um, but obviously, Lewis's numbers speak for themselves. He is the most successful Formula One driver of all time. You can't deny it. Um, You know, whether he's the best as opposed to a Fangio on skinny tires and what have you, uh, I I won't go there. But obviously, Lewis is a superb talent. I think he is is great for the sport. Uh, He's obviously much more than just a racing driver who wins races. He's He's a cultural figure in many ways around the world. And I think he's handled it all with dignity and um he was obviously rendered speechless uh by the fact that he had uh eclipsed uh, michael schumacher's record as michael was back when he eclipsed alan prost's previous record for all-time wins thought it was a beautifully judged race by lewis i mean he he said afterward that he just didn't have the grip early on so he so he just calmed himself down and said, okay, I'll be back. This is our strategy. And after what Mercedes and Hamilton were able to do in qualifying, going for 
for two runs instead of the one that Botas did, made for a really exciting qualifying session. 97th pole for Hamilton in another category that he that he leads. Uh, and I, you know, I thought it was a terrific race in very, very confusing conditions. I think every driver would say that uh, today was something other than what they expected in terms of grip and tire life and weather conditions. It was a lot colder than they'd seen all week long. So I think it was just really fascinating in the same way that the races turn entertaining when it rains. You know, suddenly everybody is on an island unto himself and they have to figure it out. And that, to me, is fun to watch. Yeah. And I want to go back to what you said about Lewis Hamilton. I love the way you put that because it is so hard to compare. You know, it happens in every sport. Do you compare, you know, Tom Brady to Bart Starr, you know, different generations and all this. It's just too hard to compare. But exactly. I love what I, I do love what you said about Hamilton that being more than just a race driver because he, you know, it's funny. I see him get some grief on social media and, but he's always, he never, ever forgets to to thank the fans and to thank mm -hmm. his team. And, and, and it doesn't, his humbleness doesn't come off as, uh, as contrived or anything. He just seems to genuinely appreciate where this, where this has put him in history and, and, and never says anything like, you know, compares himself to the greatest. He just thanks his team, thanks his fans and I, I'm I'm really glad you brought it up that way because I think that that I think he is unique in that way, and I think he is a great ambassador to the sport. And I I, I do it is fun to watch these records fall. Uh, of course, we all want to see some competitive racing, but I think Lewis Hamilton is uh, is a great ambassador for our sport. But well, well, Bob, let me get your your opinion on Valtteri Bottas. You know, he it's hard living in the shadow of someone doing what Lewis Hamilton's doing, but. He obviously proves how fast he can be in, in qualifying. Mm -hmm. But boy, today, when Lewis yeah. Hamilton went past him, he, he certainly took that advantage. But what do you think about Valtteri Bottas? Well, you know, I, I don't know if Bottas gets enough credit. And it's kind of a backhanded compliment to say that he's, you know, he's almost the quickest driver in that team. And you're right. He, he lives in Lewis's shadow. I remember many years ago when Eddie Irvine... Um, probably the biggest wise-ass in Formula One history, uh, was announced at the Nürburgring, and I was there to, to hear the announcement where uh, he was going to be a Ferrari teammate to Michael Schumacher. I guess that it wouldn't have been 1998 or so, maybe 97. And uh, Eddie was asked about, the, uh, about his new role as the obvious number two to Michael, and he said, well, if Michael's the greatest driver in the world, then I must be the second greatest Formula One driver in the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, he enjoyed being, you know, the, the solid number two that honestly every team needs, you know, and yeah. it takes a special kind of driver, I would argue, to accept that role. You know, it's the other guy who's going to get the advantage because that's just what the team as a group have collectively decided. And uh, it's my job to support him, to grab points where I can, grab a win where I can, contribute to the development of the car. And it's just what you've got to have in Formula One these days. I mean, look over at Red Bull and what they're going through with Alex Albon. Hmm. He's obviously not giving the team what they want. So, you know, what do you do? Where do you find that guy who's willing to be right up there with Max Verstappen, but he's not going to get the wins because Max is going to get him, you know, and, and he'll pick up the scraps. He'll be very well paid to do it. But that's just the way it has to be in Formula One these days. You need a solid team and a solid one-two combination in the race cars. Ah, I love that. I love your take on that, yeah, Bob. <laughs> you know, I think we've seen a lot of that in the NASCAR world where, you know, we had a driver that was a second fiddle and they kind of owned that in a lot of places. Some of the folks, as you mentioned, you know, do not own that well. But I also think mm -hmm. that I feel like in recent years, we've really seen more of the team mentality of winning for the team than the driver I feel like we're seeing more and more of that come into play in Formula One than, uh, quite honestly, than I recall in, in many generations. What do you think about that, Bob? Well, you know, it, first of all, I was interested that you brought up NASCAR because I, I always flinch a little bit when I hear fans, you know, see two guys who race for the same car owner getting in each other's way, and the cry goes up, you know, you don't race your teammate that way. Well, in NASCAR, your teammates only in, in the sense that your check comes from the same place. 
The sponsors are different on your car. Those sponsors are paying a lot of money. They don't want to hear about how you had to let your teammate through because he's better positioned in the championship, blah, blah, blah. In Formula One, you're in identical cars and you are a homogenous team. Uh, in NASCAR, it's different because the driver really has to make a decision to get his his sponsors, his crew, his team to the front so that, you know, the teammate um, rules are a little bit different in that way. And having said that, I've forgotten what the second part of your question was. <laughs> well, you know what? Let's hold that. That's we right. got to we'll come up with another later. We got to we got to come up with uh, <laughs> okay. go to a break real quick, guys. So let's go ahead and do that, and we'll be back after this break with more from Bob Varsha. As a rider, you know what you like: the power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers, the best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. At Circle Brewing, the belief is less is more when it comes to brewing a better beer. You won't find any chemicals or additives, only water, malt, hops, and yeast, and absolutely nothing else. Just simple ingredients and outstanding taste. It's German purity with Texas ingenuity. Find the brews on tap all over town in your favorite store or drop by the tap room at 2340 West Breaker Lane. Open Thursday and Friday nights and weekends. Log on to circlebrewing.com. Circle Brewing Company. Born, bred, and brewed in Texas. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hello to everyone. This is Gunter Steiner. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. We just got through watching the Formula One Portuguese Grand Prix, and we are breaking it down, and we're doing that with the help of our special guest, Bob Varsha. And, Bob, I want to read you a tweet that someone just tweeted at us. They said, great to hear Bob Varsha, and he sounds great, exclamation point. Would not be an F1 fan I am today, if not for Sunday mornings with his efforts, I learned so much from from that team. That's got to make you feel good, Bob. Oh, absolutely. You know, you, you, you hate to be thought of in the past tense that way, but I, I hear from so many people who have said similar things about how they've been listening for so long. They remember the 
the great F1 days on ESPN and Speed Vision and Speed and Fox Sports and all that kind of thing. And it really uh, it does warm the heart. And I really appreciate every one of them. Well, I, we also have someone who just called in. We got a caller who wants to join us and probably wants to talk to you as well, Bob. We have uh, George, George in Virginia. Hey, George, how are you? Hello, um, thank you, and this is an honor to speak to a, a legend in a sport that really um, opened a lot of people's eyes. I mean, I started watching Formula One in the seventies when they had it on Wild World of Sports, but um, Bob and the various teams really opened the sport in America, kind of use a phrase, you know, describe the sport, we'll put it where the cows can get it. So it's an honor to speak with you. Thank you for what you've done, and thank you for what you will be doing. And it was great. I would like to just ask you a question about Lewis Hamilton and Formula One if you have time. Absolutely, George. Go for it. Um, as someone who's seen Schumacher, I saw him in um, O2 with the Barrichello debacle, but we won't go there. Um, <laughs> it, seemed, it seemed like Lewis is probably the, the new, not only you have to be a driver, you have to be a representative, but you also have to sort of create a persona on social media. And do you see going forward, do you see drivers being drivers first and personality second, or... Do you see sort of uh, a hybrid of the two um, moving forward? You just can't be a superior driver. You have to be sort of a, you have to kind of create a corporate identity to sort of sell. Do you think Lewis was sort of the, the, the harbinger of that? Or do you see drivers coming behind him in that same mold? Uh, that's a great question. Um, and I think the answer is, uh, yeah, Lewis is one of a kind. He's certainly not the first driver to be, have a big off-track um, persona. Um, you know, you can have an off-track persona in this social media age if you were a James Hunt or someone who lived life to the fullest in a way that not a lot of people might necessarily agree with, <laughs> with all the drinking and smoking and womanizing and all that kind of thing. Uh, would that be homogenized out? By, um, by sponsors who want a, a, an image of uh, moral rectitude and nice guy and all that kind of thing. I don't know. It's a, it, it's a double-edged sword in that way that uh, I think you need to have an off-track persona. I think modern sports at the professional level requires it. I don't know that it would be a formal team requirement uh, that you do it. Obviously, the younger generation is very socially media conscious. They know how to use Instagram and tweet and Twitter and everything else uh, out there. Um, so it's just going to come naturally. And I think the bigger problem for drivers is going to be how you handle that off track persona. Obviously, Lewis Hamilton has had some hurdles to cross. Uh, there are people, um, who don't necessarily agree with the positions he takes and that sort of thing. And that's something sponsors and professional organizations are, um, are rightfully concerned about, you know, when, when, when I was calling the races on an active basis with David and, and Steve, um, Lewis, when he came on the scene at first with McLaren, uh, raised an, an interesting problem for us. I mean, half of the comments we got were, why do we mention that Lewis Hamilton is black? Uh, haven't we progressed past that as a society? And there's some truth to that. The other half of the comments we would get were, uh, why don't you mention more often that Lewis is black? He's a uh, he's a, a, a groundbreaker, a pioneer. We need you know more of that kind of diversity in sports. So you know you kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. And that's the situation in a larger sense. I think that teams and drivers face with uh, dealing with social media, being present off track uh, in a large way, going to cultural events, uh, wearing wild and crazy fashions like Lewis likes to do. The people you hang out with. Uh, you know, heroes and villains, you know, all that's a part of the package. I don't think teams are going to demand that sort of thing from drivers anytime soon, but I think we all have to get used to the fact that drivers do have personalities and lives away from the racetrack, and, and they have every right to, to live their lives as openly as they feel like. Well, George, thanks a lot, buddy. We appreciate you listening, and that's a great question. And, and Bob, yeah, it is, you know, today with their instant platform that they have in their pocket of Twitter and Instagram and whatever else it, it, you know, these drivers, 
Uh, I can imagine being a sponsor, being nervous about uh, their their spokesperson, as it may be, because they have such access. But I think this Black Lives Matter and what's gone on uh, with George Floyd and everything has given Lewis Hamilton a, a focus, you know, because he did used to have I, I don't notice his fashion as much anymore. And I don't notice him going places and, and things like that. This has given him this focus and and let him run with that that platform and i think he's i think he's done a great job with that and you know sometimes i think well do i do i want to have my sports separate from everything else but i i think the way things have played out this year it's such a crazy year and i i think it's worked out i i don't really mind it and i think that hamilton's done a great job of it so and i love your take on on the way he uh, has done it as well but well i want to go back to today's race because we talked about Hamilton and Botas, but what about uh, Bob? What do you think about this year and uh, and and Max Verstappen's? You know, I I wonder is is Max Verstappen? You know, we'll never know because you can't put him in in the same car. But is he as good or is he better than Lewis Hamilton? What do you think about Max Verstappen? Well, I think Max is a is a you know a wonderful talent in the same way Lewis is, maybe a bit differently. Uh, it struck me during the race when the, the the rain was misting down and some of the drivers were talking about it on the radio. Max, to my mind, is one of the great rain racers in Formula One. So I was a bit surprised to see him struggling in very low grip conditions, whether it was because the, you know, the moisture on the track or the, the slick nature of this asphalt. I don't know where the Portuguese guys got the uh, asphalt they repaved with, but everybody said it was like ice. Um, so I, that surprised me a little bit, but that could also be the car. You know, we know that Red Bull has gone to great lengths to try to get on a par with Mercedes. They get closer and closer. They're not there yet, but uh, I think Max is a fabulous talent. I think just about every team would love to have him, but uh, I don't think he's going to leave Red Bull where he has a beautiful situation in the same way that Sebastian Vettel did at Red Bull when he went through that run of four straight world championships. Um, he's the team leader. He gets the, the latest and greatest in parts and everything else. Um, and he seems to have a pretty bulletproof personality, sometimes to the point of being a little bit too blunt for, uh, for <laughs> other people's taste. But, you know, that's that's Max. That's part of his personality, like we were talking about, like Lewis and all of his off-track activities. So, um and he's still a kid, you know, really. He's so young. Well, he is. He's very young. He's got Adrian Newey back there. They kind of went down the, the, the wrong direction with the high-rake rear car and a shorter wheelbase and, and all that kind of stuff that goes into a successful effort in Formula One. But I, I, I love Max, and I'm only sorry that we didn't get to see the Dutch Grand Prix at the reconfigured Zenvert course. Uh, I can only imagine what the uh, Orange Army would have been <laughs> like out there and Max trying to do everything in his power to please him. That would have been awesome. Yeah, Les got to go to Zanfort last year, Les. That was, they were they were primed and ready, weren't they? They were. I was uh, there. In fact, it was Red Bull with Max uh, there, and they, he took a few laps on it. Now it's before the reconfigured uh, to the big banked curb. But mm -hmm. absolutely, the place was packed, and uh, it was Max's town that day. <laughs> uh, yeah, would love to see that. By all means, he's got a big following. Uh, I'm with you. I like his personality. It's edgy enough. Occasionally, he goes a little over the top, shoving one of the drivers. I think it was two years ago. He shoved another driver physically. Not cool in that. But I want somebody that is that committed into their performance that, you know, we talk about sticking your nose in a gap and taking it. Uh, he's one that never seems to fail at staying engaged in the race and going after it. Even when he's in the underdog, he didn't have the confidence and traction today but he still stuck with it. And uh, that's one of the things I like about Max is the no give up attitude. All right, guys. Hey, we need to get back on track with the breaks. Let's go ahead and take another break now. Just a quick one. And we'll be back to talk about the Portuguese Grand Prix with Bob Barsha. Listen to Speed City Live from Austin. Back after these messages.
When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. Motivation USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Talk 13-7, the right choice. Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. We've been talking about the Portuguese Grand Prix, one of the new races this year for this pandemic-shortened and and uh, a modified season. And our guest for the show today is Bob Varsha. And Bob, I wanted to ask you, you have been, you got back in the booth and got behind the microphone and I saw where you're looking to do that even more. So tell us what's going on in your world from work, from a work standpoint. <laughs> well, um, opportunities are kind of thin on the ground right now, uh, but I feel great. As you mentioned, I have done a couple of things this year. I did the Ferrari Challenge back in late August, right there in your hometown, that Circuit of the Americas. Uh, and then just a few weeks ago, I was a part of the broadcast team for the SCCA National Runoffs up at Road America, which was great fun. Uh, I won't lie, I had some uh, rust to knock off, um, which uh, I'm working on doing right now. But um, there's nothing keeping me from working um, due to my treatments. And uh, hopefully they'll be behind me in the uh, not too distant future. Uh, and, you know, work is what I like to do. I don't play golf. I don't have a boat. I don't do any of that stuff. <laughs> I like to travel and uh, and call races and be a part of the racing community. You know, that's just a, a tremendous tonic for me, as I described it. It's just uh, I feel so much better when I'm working. I have no intention to retire. So hopefully I can keep doing this for a while. But right now there's nothing planned. Well, I'm you know glad, I, glad to hear you're, you're ready for it. Go ahead, Les. You know, I, uh, I've got an idea, and I don't think it's too far-fetched, and I think I've got quite a, uh, I think we have quite an audience that would vouch for this. I think it's time that we had an American-sounding accent. And with that, I mean no disrespect to our buddies at NBC <laughs> or even BBC or Sky Sports, but I think it's time we had an American-sounding F1 broadcast team on ESPN. Bob, what do you think? <laughs> Oh, I'm all for it. Trust me. And uh, and I've reached out to those folks, um, you know, early on when they were basically handed the Formula One deal by the new ownership at Liberty. Um, you know, they didn't want to put any money into it. And they said as much publicly. Um, so they went with the Sky package. And then that contract was up after a couple of seasons. And they had some competition from other networks for the deal. And ESPN had to pony up. 
um, <laughs> which they did to their credit. Um, and now, you know, that hopefully in the near future, they're going to want to enhance that, um, that package if, uh, you know, if the viewership continues to grow. And one of the things I hope they'll consider is an American broadcast team, and I'd very much like to be a part of that. Well, I agree with you, you Les. I, I, I think it'd be awesome. One of the things that gives me kind of some reasoning behind that is uh, I played soccer in school. And back in those days, you watched Spanish, German, or British sports, you know, soccer teams playing. And I remember people saying comments that, uh, you know, it's not our sport because of all these other languages. And I, I worry that there are those in that mindset that uh, don't feel like we're part of the sport, where Americans absolutely are part of the sport nowadays. And I, I'd like to uh, get rid of that anomaly of not having American voices on TV doing it. <laughs> well, I agree completely. Um, and and to be totally honest, I think there is a certain amount of nationalism in this mix. Um, I stood once by a racetrack with Ben Edwards, a very successful and well-known English commentator, and idly asked him, uh, you suppose you know, networks in Britain and Europe would, uh, would ever hire an American? And he said, hmm. not a chance. And hmm. I don't think that was because of some perceived ineptitude or inexperience on the behalf of uh, American commentators. Uh, it's just a nationalistic thing. We want, as you pointed out, Les, we want our accents. We want identifiable people uh, on the network. And, you know, we, we certainly see a lot of uh, British commentators on American TV. So it's a bit of a one-way street, which gets up my nose a little bit from time to time. But maybe <laughs> that, too, will change as time goes by and they realize that, yeah, Americans can call hockey and soccer and, you know, motor racing and whatnot uh, to be Totally honest with you, I was supposed to be working this weekend at the 24 Hours of Spa, the big GT3 race at Spa Francorchamps, which I've done for the last three or four years. Uh, and because of a number of factors, the pandemic and travel restrictions, primary among them, uh, we weren't able to put together a remote uh, link up that would allow me to uh, take part. So I had to forego it this year, along with another American commentator, Ryan Marine, who some of you may be familiar with. Ryan has worked the pits in that race recently, but neither of us were able to take part, which was uh, really too bad. Uh, but hopefully when the pandemic eases and uh, and we Yanks can go abroad, we'll have the opportunity to do it. Well, I certainly would love to see you and hear your voice uh, on in motorsports again, Bob. And uh, But I want to shift gears, guys. I want to stick to the theme a little bit because I want to talk about uh, helping grow Formula One in the United States. And there's an opportunity that has arisen, and it has to do with Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen leaving the Haas F1 team. And we've been talking about it, Bob, We in the pre-show. I had Jonathan Green and uh, our new co-host, Dave O'Neill, who used to be the team manager for Haas F1. He, he and Jonathan were talking about it. We talked about all different aspects of it, possibilities, whether it's you know the, the obvious ones like Hulkenberg and Checo Perez, or Schumacher, or Mazepin, you know, all the different names that everyone's knowing. But but I asked uh, Dave O'Neill this question, and I want to throw it to you as well, is that we had Gunther Steiner on the show early in the season, and we asked him the question, because we always ask him the question, because everyone asks him that's in the United States, what about an American driver on an American team? And I, I asked him, and he's only ever said one name, and he finally said it this year, and he said Colton Herta. And... Hmm. I'd I'd love to get your opinion on how you think that would work. Do you, th my, I had an idea is that, okay, you get Colton and then you get a, a big American company. You know, we've got some big companies that are, we got Dell right here in Austin who sponsors Formula One, but maybe team up. And um, uh, my thought was, is that how this could impact the viewership in Formula One? I think it could be dramatic if you had a young American driver. Now I know that, that Haas isn't fighting for podiums right now. And they probably won't be next year, but maybe with the cap, the cost cap and subsequent years. But what do you think about Colton or any other American driver? Well, I think Colton would be brilliant, quite frankly. And uh, we'll see how good he is on street circuits later today at St. Pete. Um, you know, this question comes up a lot. I always think of Ross Braun when he got involved with the... Uh, with the struggling BAR Honda Formula One program, and he was asked about drivers all the time. And he said, well, 
What we need first is a great car. And once we have a great competitive car, drivers won't be a problem because we'll have more drivers contacting us that we can deal with. And I think that would be the case at Haas too. They are a little bit restricted in that they are so closely associated with Ferrari. So I'm sure Marinello has uh, something to say about what they do with the car and who their drivers are gonna be. So that's a bit of a problem. I'm totally with you on more American involvement in Formula One. Uh, I was pretty close to the uh, USF1 deal low these many years ago, uh, which to me looked like it was gonna be a brilliant effort, but it, it, it was stillborn when they, when they lost mm -hmm. track of their timeline to be there for the first race. That was going to be a car involving all sorts of previously unseen technology and it's American technology. So I think the United States, you know, with all, you know, all, all questions of patriotism aside, uh, it could be a huge contributor to Formula One, not only in terms of, uh, of, you know, making up the numbers out there, but also using groundbreaking technologies and introducing new talents you know, from the biggest market in the world. Uh, yeah. Excuse me. Um, yeah. So it, it, there's so many reasons why uh, an American team with American technology and American drivers um, would be great. But, you know, maybe Haas isn't that effort for a lot of reasons that we don't know an awful lot about. But obviously, there's you know there's something has to happen there. Gene Haas was talking about leaving the sport for a while. Hopefully, the cost cap and the all new cars we're going to see in 2022 will change his mind. But it's you know it's going to be an uphill fight for those guys uh, through next year since they have to use this year's car. Yeah, uh, and, and it is it's a massively complex equation on how to make this all happen. But like you alluded to, if we can get the sport growing here, you know, the, it's always the United States. It's always been this coveted market. We've got the the, the most, uh, you know, how many, what percentage of Ferraris are sold in the United States, right? And what percentage of all luxury cars and, and high end sports cars are sold here? So there's this massive opportunity to 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 grow the the audience and then reach that market. So uh, I I'll see what you know. I'm just anxious to see what happens here. But well, Bob, let me ask you this: Any thoughts on who they might? Fill that seat with you if you had to guess those seats i should say <laughs> well um really hard to predict again there's the ferrari factor uh i think we heard that alfa romeo is going to keep uh antonio giovinazzi alongside kimi raikkonen so that eliminates one of those ferrari seats where they might have stuck uh you know a ralph schumacher or what have you i mean ralph schumacher um <laughs> uh, Rick schumacher yeah um Boy, no, I, you know, I really, I mean, Schumacher, I suppose, well, not at Haas, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, and, and here's the thing, when your team is struggling, yeah, you're, you know, it's the reverse of the Ross Braun situation. If you don't have a competitive car, nobody's going to want to drive for you. Um, someone, some young driver placed there by a manufacturer is, you know, probably going to have a lousy attitude. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's all about the car. It really is. Um, and there are, there are great drivers out there. You mentioned a couple. Certainly, um, Hulkenberg has, uh, has really raised his own stock this year. Um, there's guys wandering around with helmet bags that, uh, that have experience. Um, you know, I, hearing my own voice, I, if I had to pick a guy, I would say Hulkenberg. I think uh, winning yeah. them all when he did on debut, uh, with another couple of young Porsche drivers was fabulous. Um, he has really shown with Racing Point that he can get in a car and go quickly on very short notice. Um, so, yeah, I like the Hulk a lot. Yeah, pretty hard to argue with what he did. Go ahead, Les. I do, too. One of the other candidates that I see is Sergio Perez, and I see a, a lot of good points with either direction. I'm not going to tell you what I've seen, but what are your thoughts on Sergio? I think Sergio um, is another of those drivers who's become a bit of an institution in Formula One, and he has the added advantage of bringing millions of dollars in sponsorship. And that's one thing we haven't discussed is money. Uh, I think, look at Williams. I think they're going to keep Nicholas Latifi, who is holding on to the back end of the grid in today's race, like grim death, as Hobbs would say. <laughs> um, but he has millions and millions of dollars. And if anybody's going to get pushed out at Williams, it's going to be the talented George Russell. Which is which is really heartbreaking. Uh, so yeah. there's that money factor as well. Hulk doesn't have it. Sergio does. Sergio also has the advantage of being a very good driver. He he qualified well. 
raced hard in today's race once he recovered from that initial collision with Max. Um, yeah, uh, he's another prime candidate, and uh, maybe even more so because he brings a fat wallet. Yeah, and he's also, you know, we, we've talked about this in the pre-shows that he's got the the Mexican connection, you know, it, it, when, uh, yep. when when Coda first opened before the Mexican Grand Prix got restarted, there was a huge contingent from Mexico that would come up every year. I mean, it was like 40,000 of the 120,000 that came on Sunday were from Mexico. So uh, that, that, you know, that would also play into that, too. But all right, guys, well, let's take our last break and we come back. We'll wrap it up and continue our discussions about Formula One and everything else. You're listening to Speed City Live from Austin, Texas, back after a quick break. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. You can take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. Hi, this is Max Steppen, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. We watched the Portuguese Grand Prix today, and it was nice having some new tracks and new things to worry about and look at on the racetrack. And uh, we're discussing all this with our guest, Bob Varsha. Really excited to have Bob. And uh, we've worked together a couple times, Bob. It was great working with you back back a few years ago at Formula One. We did the local radio broadcast with you. That was that was kind of a bucket list for me, Bob. I'll have to admit that. And, and excited to have you here today. But uh, but anything else from today from Portugal that, that struck you? You know, we had... Uh, uh, we had some great racing in the midfield, like we saw between Gasly and Signs and and all that. But anything else that struck you from today's race? Well, you know, as, as I watched the race and I was excited about it, I was thinking, why can't we have this every year? Why don't we, every year let's pick one racetrack as a wild card that you know nobody's been to at least in a while, and you know make them uh, you know rush to figure the thing out, and that might help uh, get the kind of shakeup from front to back that we saw today. Um, I love that idea. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. And, and you know what? I've, there's been lots of uh, discussion on Twitter today about that because of this is that everybody's mm -hmm. going, why couldn't we, you know, this, you know, every, um, everything that's lots of times a negative in life can bring positives. Right. And we've all learned about new technologies, whether it's zoom or whatever remote things. And, and Bob, I bet you they get that remote thing that you're worried about for uh, Lamar and all that figured out over the coming months and years. But this is one of those opportunities. You know, we talked about reverse grids all season, but I think the one thing that has been a huge success is maybe we have this wild card or, or whatever, but I think it's a fantastic idea and I think everybody would love it. And, uh, and, and hopefully, you know, Formula One will, will take that up and, and start doing it. Yeah, I mean, Liberty seems to be open to new ideas, and, and Ross Brown is heading up that effort. I saw a really interesting article, I think it was by British writer Tony Dodgins, about how you compare drivers, as we were talking about earlier in the show. And his his argument was the only way you can do that is if each driver drives a different car in each race weekend. 
hmm. which I know is never going to happen in a million years, but that was a great, yeah. a great idea to think about. Oh, and while we're on the subject of the last time we worked together at CODA, I am reminded that this is the weekend when the U.S. Grand Prix out at the track was originally scheduled, was it not? That's exactly right. I went out to CODA yesterday, Bob, because they have the F3 and F, or the FR Americas and F4 racing, and uh, and it was it was a great, cool weekend out there. And I was like, oh, this is a bummer that we didn't get this for uh, Formula One because it 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 uh, it would have been a great weekend. And yes, you're right. And but everything I'm hearing though is everything's full speed ahead for next year though. Good, glad to hear it. Yeah, and we uh, we got NASCAR coming back to to uh, Circuit of the Americas. I say back because there's been a few cars on track. We had Kurt Busch way back in like 2013, and then the Haas boys drove uh, the car last year. But we got NASCAR bringing a cup cup race to Coda. We're really excited about that. Although it looks like we have lost IndyCar, so. Uh, mm. but yeah, what do you think about NASCAR coming to Circuit of the Americas? I think it's a great idea, and I hope they'll run the full circuit. You'll recall back when uh, the V8. Australian V8 supercars came over. Uh, I was a part of that broadcast, and one driver after another said, "Holy moly, you know why? Why are we running this this shortened course? Let's go all the way out there to Turn Eleven and do this properly." <laughs> yeah, Les, you've been saying that all along. As soon as you heard about NASCAR, you were like, "Please, please run the full circuit." Absolutely. And, you know, mm -hmm. especially after talking to Tony, uh, that was one of the questions specifically for Tony Stewart while he was here in his cup car. It's that I asked him, okay, there, there's not many car, many tracks that NASCAR goes to that's longer than 3.4 miles. Uh, is that something that would scare NASCAR away? Would they want to go short? And he said, absolutely. Let's run the big one. Let's, uh, let's do it all. And I think that's going to be absolutely phenomenal uh, having NASCAR here seeing them run the big course and uh, seeing what happens when they turn right on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bob, Tony Stewart went on, just gushed about circuit of the Americas for, for a cup race. So uh, I guess that's a pretty good endorsement. We'll, uh, we'll take Tony's word for it. I think he knows what he's talking about, uh, but right. I want to I go back to something you said about Colton Herta, because it reminded me when Colton first came to circuit of the Americas for, we had a test here in uh back in the early part of the year last year and i was just in the media center and i heard the announcement say colton hurt is up next and he hit the track and i think it it was within his first two laps i think it was his second lap he was the fastest of the day immediately and it was his first time on circuit of the americas his second lap and he was the fastest and i, I immediately stopped and i was like wait a minute hold on let me look at this let me pay more attention and I remember grabbing my phone and tweeting that out. So I, I think that, uh, I think you're right. I think that that kid has got some skills and I mean, look, he, how hard is it going to be to, would it be, I should say, to, to drag him out of IndyCar though, Bob? Well, that would be tough, you know, and that's a story we've heard before with guys like Al Unzer Jr. And so on They're They're, how is it described? They are tied to the United States with a golden chain because they can, you know, sleep in their own beds every night and they make good money and they know the racetracks and everything. It takes a special kind of driver to want to go over and mix it up over in Europe and stay abroad for lengthy periods of time and, and deal with all the cultural and language issues and all that sort of thing, all of which, of course, can be overcome. Uh, and can Colton be fun, Herta, too. You know, they, they, it can be fun What's and that? exciting, too. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just listening, John, young John Edwards uh, went over as a as a very young guy under the Red Bull driver program to run carts and then so on and so forth. Now he's a BMW factory driver, travels the world. He and, he and his parents worked all that out. So, you know, it can be done. And there's lots of young drivers. I mean, just listen to Jeremy Shaw talk about all the yeah. great young drivers he sees trying to get into his Team USA program. And, and right now the two kids he's got over in Europe are doing really well in Formula Fords. So, you know, the talent is there and we need to overcome it. And, you know, it's a glass ceiling, I guess, might be the metaphor I would borrow. Um, somebody's got to break it. That's going to take a special special yep. person to do that. Well, Bob, we are out of time. We cannot thank you enough, Bob Varsha, for joining us. We wish you the best of luck in your recovery. And uh, you have a place uh, to join us anytime on the radio. Just give us a call in the middle of the show if you want. So thanks a lot, Bob. We really appreciate you coming on. And uh, I'm sure our audience was excited to hear from you. Well, thank you, John. Les, great to be on with you again.
All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And, of course, we will talk to you next Sunday. So check us out on our website to find out all our times and shows and everything at speedcitybroadcast.com. And we'll talk to you next Sunday. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.